0: heal the sick raise the dead cleanse lepers cast out demons this is healing the whole person on wsfi 88.5 fm catholic radio
1: well hello and welcome to this episode of healing the whole person we're here with father robert sears sj uh, the Sears is in the middle of doing a series. Actually, we're on the back end of doing this series on healing and the sacraments. And, Father, what have we covered so far, and what will we be covering today?
2: Well, I've done the, all the uh, sacraments up to holy orders. So uh, i was going to take holy orders and healing today. So each of the ones that are healing in different ways. And the holy orders, you might say, is the foundation of all the sacraments. And so... It, it's an important uh, uh, topic to we can take a look at and see how it's related to healing. So I was uh, made aware of a book that Bob Shooks has uh, written called Be Transformed, The Healing Power of the Sacraments. In his chapter six is The Father's Authority, How Holy Orders Heals Wounds of Confusion. And I, that what touched me because I hadn't thought of it quite so focused. And he mentioned a chapter in Sirach, the third chapter, the second to fifth verse. He says, For the Lord sets a father in honor over his children and confirms a mother's authority over her sons. Those who honor their father atone for sins and they store up riches who respect their mother. And when they pray, they are heard. And this was true, as he points out, in the 1950s, where the father really was honored in the family in the early 1960s, at least in his experience as he grew up in those days. And during the Shook's formative years, and mine actually at that stage, uh, in teenage years, however, in the late 60s in the Vatican Council II time, he began to question authority as a way to form his identity. At that time, he lost respect for his older brother who had gotten into drugs in the sexual revolution. And his father had been drinking and had an affair. So he lost trust in authority figures and it weakened his trust in God and priests authority. Then he was left as so many today, just trusting their own authority like Adam and Eve after they sinned. Then he lost connection with God's wisdom and authority. The result was what we experience today, you know, sexual confusion, rampant divorces, leaving of the church, and replaced by following fads and social media and somebody at the authoritative uh, correction of God. So the Catholic Catechism of the church, called the CCC, says, Holy Orders is a sacrament through which the mission entrusted by Christ to the apostles continues to be exercised in the church until the end of time. Now with the Pope as the ultimate authority, holy orders includes three degrees, the episcopate, bishops, the presbyterate, priests, and deaconate, the deacons, so priests, bishops, and deacons. And it's conferral by the bishops laying on of hands with the prescribed prayers gives sacred power that can only come from Christ Jesus, who is the one mediator between God and humans, according to the order of Melchizedek, which is the direct order of the bread and wine, the sacrifice of the bread and wine in Psalm 110, the fourth verse. So the bishop is the image of God the Father. Saint uh, was uh, of Antioch, Saint the bishop who made the tour to through different, uh Parishes to be sacrificed himself. The priest, in union with the bishop, because the priest gets his authority through the authority of the bishop, can, he celebrates the sacraments of baptism and Eucharist, anointing of the sick, reconciliation, and marriage. So, and the deacon, he is also helping the parish priest, he assists at the Eucharist. He can preach, baptize, and assist at marriage, and in case of necessity, any member of the church and even an unbaptized person can baptize if they use the Trinitarian baptismal formula intended by the church and does what the church uh, does when the church baptizes so. There's a different order and this order is, in a sense, the authority given to each one to do those particular sacraments, which all have healing in different ways. And Jesus gave this authorization to the Catholic Church when he said to Peter, you are Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of another world will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So all the sacraments are conferred in the name of Jesus who has given that authority to authorized persons in the church. And when the priest offers mass, it is Jesus who is consecrating the body and blood in his words. And through the priest's words, So the priest says, this is my body, but he's saying that in the person of Jesus, and it becomes Jesus's body because he's authorizing the priest through the bishop, through the pope to do that. And so it's similar in other the anointing of the sick, reconciliation, all of the, the sacraments are confirmed by ultimately by Jesus, but through the ministry of these authorized persons in the church. And the one exception is matrimony, of course, because the persons who are getting married actually confer it by their consent. And the priest or bishop who happens to be uh, the witness at that particular marriage service is representing the church as an official witness. And it has to be written down so that everybody knows that there was a valid Catholic marriage taking place. So these are this is the kind of the structure of the order and the order itself is it presupposes the order in the family which sort of the father has that order so holy orders structures the ministry of the church but all the members are important in that all the members of the church are called to holiness that was uh, written in the document on the Church in the Vatican II, and so everybody is called to holiness, and, and everybody, in some ways, shares the authority to be part of the priest, the you know the bishop, the priest, and the deacon, because they all are assisting in the growth of the Church. So that's what we want to be reflecting on a little bit today, and as. Uh, Bishop Barron had wrote in this week's Monday's homily, every baptized person is conformed into Christ, priest, prophet, and king. And whenever you assist at Mass, you are exercising your priestly office, participating in the worship of God. Whenever you direct your kids to discover their mission in the church or provide guidance for someone in spiritual life, you are exercising your kingly authority. Your teaching office. As a baptized individual, you are also commissioned as a prophet, which is to say a speaker of God's truth. And the prophetic word is not your own. It is not the result of your own meditations or spiritual life, as valuable as that might be. A prophetic word is the word that God's given you for the people in whatever way he's given it to you to communicate so that's I think kind of the structural foundation and the point of it is that it heals as he he mentioned in the uh, chapter on ordination it heals confusion the sin of confusion you might say because as he was saying in the chapter on matrimony when, when the bonds of love are secure children and adults alike experience a pervasive sense of peace and joy which allows them to thrive and to develop to their fullest potential having this identity rooted and grounded in God's faithful love these secure love bonds enable members of the family to experience peace freedom and a nourishing intimacy so that is the spin over of uh, healthy orders into the family, because the family is, has those positions also, as I mentioned, that Sirach was showing that the authority of the father and the authority of the mother are what give peace to the family and its unity and conferred on the children, so the children feel at peace. But what happened is, has happened in the, the world is that authority in general, starting with the family, uh, And going to the church itself has been questioned because of the sins of the whole church and begun to disestablish, you might say, that sense of groundedness in the children. And so they seek uh, unity some other places, and they're filled with confusion. And that leads them to what we have today, where individuals are their own authorities. And so they, they go and do the things they feel uh, they're called to do but they're called by their own uh, insights but not by their listening to the Lord or whatever so that's I think (laughs) what happens when we don't live the authority that we actually have been given by Jesus in the church to ground all of us because all of those sacraments and all of the, the, the marks of authority and holy orders are from god because he knows that, that it's very important for us to know that what we are doing is what god wanted us to do in the first place so in the, just recently for example we've been speaking of the divine will and that god is calling us now to really be guided by the divine will and ultimately to give our lives yeah. to god to live out of his divine will, which is a whole new uh, perspective and order that Jesus is beginning to confer on the church, and that is, uh, uh, you might say, the healing of finding out what your particular gift and call is in life. It's, so, th- does that uh, kind of ring true to you, Angela? That that uh, our gift and call is something that has to grow slowly but also in a community that supports us and gives it that love that we would need
1: that's so beautiful father i'm just thinking as a listener how do you find out what your what your gifts are some of us don't even know what they are and and is it possible they change over time
2: the, well the, i think you grow into it i don't i know I, I uh did Very you always early. know
1: yours? D- did you know yours, Father? Did you always know your gifts?
2: I, I didn't know it in the beginning, but uh, little by little, for example, uh, when I was at Loyola University uh, Academy, the Loyola Academy, when it was on the uh, the place where the university is now, uh, I was part of the sodality, and during that time, I I developed. Uh, really love of the Eucharist so I used to go to the Eucharist every day and that that little by little and then the uh, priest who was in charge of our particular class in the uh, sodality gave us a retreat in ordinary life so it took seven months for a 30-day retreat you might say and in course of doing that and discerning uh, I did discern that I was called to religious life, and then I was thinking of the Trappist, but I said, well, that'd be too easy because I'm an introvert. <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought so I, I should be going joining the Jesuits, which was, of course, founded by Saint Ignatius and Jesus. And uh, so that's where I was. But uh, even that I was seemed to be called to integrating psychotherapy and theology. And then as I was looking at my whole life, it was preparing me for doing that <laughs> because I had to go through the stages that needed healing that I needed to get be aware of to help the other people get healed. And so God, I think, has has helped each of us to do that, but it, it was in a family that, that helped me with the spiritual life. It wasn't in, say, some of these families are broken and they lose trust in their parents. And so that part of the... the uh, System of developing is wounded in our present day because of the situation that we're in. It was, it was one of these things that I mentioned in in my uh, writing up of what would be good to speak about today. Is there's a gentleman's rules for raising kids with morals? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, check this if it sounds all right to you. To the mother belongs the privilege of planting in the hearts of her children. This is from the 1880s, (laughs) so it's way before our present crisis. In the hearts of their children, those seeds of love which nurtured and fostered will bear fruit in earnest and useful lives. It is she who must fit them to meet the duties and emergencies of life. And in this work of training, she keeps her heart fresh and young and thereby ensures the growth of those powers with which nature has endowed her. In other words, she learns and grows up herself by taking care of her kids, you mm-hmm. know. So if this works well if children honor their parents, you know, your children will form habits of evil speaking if they hear you deal lightly with the reputation of another. This sounds so real. Yes. If they hear you slander or refile your neighbor and if you wish your child to show charity towards erring you must set the example by habitual exercise of that virtue yourself. That's one of the principles I speak to people quite a lot. You can't give what you aren't living. (laughs) Without this, your teaching will be of little avail. If you take pleasure in dwelling upon the faults of others, if you refuse to cover over their infirmities with the mantle of charity, your example will nullify your teaching and your admonitions will be lost. Wow. That sounds like a lot of wisdom in the, in the 1880s. <laughs> we, oftentimes, earlier in our culture, we were a little better at these things, just kind of naturally uh, opening that up and knowing that that's true. in the relationships that the husband and wife give, there was another point that uh, Bob Schultz's chapter on the sacrament of marriage, he said, God's faithful love how holy matrimony heals the wounds of fear. Each each of the sacraments, in a sense, he's put down as healing the different wounds, and the, what heals the holy orders is the wound of confusion.
1: That's so beautiful, Father. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Lent is almost here, which means it's almost fish fry season. Bring your family and friends and join us at Immaculate Conception St. Mary Parish in Burlington, Wisconsin for our annual fish fry. Our fish fry will be held on Friday, February 24th, March 10th, and March 24th from 4.30 to 7 p.m. This year we will offer dine-in, drive through and carry-out. For further information, please call 282-758-3629. A prayer for deliverance with Father John Regus, the rector of the National Shrine of St. Maximilian Kolbe at Marytown.
0: In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus Christ, we just ask for the grace of the Holy Spirit to come down upon us the intercession of Our Lady and of all the saints and angels and we come against any influence of the occult of the new age that might have infiltrated any of our listeners, their children, their grandchildren, their nieces, nephews, brothers and sisters of families and we bind Satan and all of his minions in any way that have bound any of these individuals or their families in this occult practices and we invoke mother mary also in all the saints and in the name of jesus by the blood of jesus i just break all bounds and all influences of the new age upon any one of our listeners and may they be broken in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit may he send upon them the grace of the holy spirit to free them and may our mother mary place her mother demands her to protect them and crush the head of the evil one as she was promised to do so in genesis after the fall amen are you retired or near retirement
1: Well, welcome back to the second part of the show. We're in healing the whole person. And our host is Father Robert Sears, SJ. Today, we're continuing on in a series of shows that are on healing in the sacraments. And Father Sears is focusing right now on holy orders. But um, Father, you made us a comment that was so interesting. Did you say that all of the sacraments have the healing aspect to them?
2: that's what uh uh, let me just read you the the, uh, chapter headings if you want yes please because it's very interesting i I never thought of that but it's it's integrating all of the sacraments with different aspects of healing for example he says the father's beloved how baptism heals wounds of rejection isn't that interesting
1: how does it heal the wounds of rejection
2: because we're baptized into the having the heavenly father be our father
1: oh so we're accepted into the new family
2: the the new family and so that's an unconditional love god is the reason we were called in the first place so what what the adam and eve sin did was break that bond and so now we're doubtful about our parents because they're doubtful about each other (laughs) Mm -hmm. in other words they brought fear into their family when they brought us in, because then they don't know what love is anymore. And so they started blaming each other for the sin that they had. Isn't that interesting? That's what gives us fear, and it gives the child fear, because now they aren't loved by both parents, and until they're loved by both parents, they won't feel secure and loved. Uh And the family does have that sense of love, then they grow up with security and joy, and freedom, and so they can develop their gifts because their parents did. (laughs) Isn't that interesting?
1: It is. Are you saying that fear is the consequence of sin?
2: Yes, it certainly is. And uh, that's why when you have love, perfect love casts out fear, as 1 John says. If you know you're loved perfectly, why would be you afraid? You're loved by God, and he knows about the future, and nothing can happen that he doesn't allow to happen. So you are perfectly safe. And then everything that God has given you is what, in a sense, is, is what you're called to develop. And you're finding out what your gift is in a context of safety. Just two sacraments, but if I just read some of the others, you might see the point too. The the other here, the uh, abiding presence. How holy communion heals wounds of abandonment. See, Jesus is always available in the Eucharist, always loving us, and He has an abiding presence with us. So as we grow up into knowing that, that's a place where we can always find God's love and. Wholeness. We are brought into the, the truth of God's infinite love, which is the only unconditional love that there is because humans are always looking for filling their own need for love. So it isn't full love. And so if people are marrying only in a human understanding, they're all going to be looking for that in the other person and they'll both get disillusioned because they aren't the solution to what they're looking for. They're looking for unconditional love, which is God. Because we all know that we're created by unconditional love, as God said, to, to Louisa Picaretta Because and have lived for a time in the divine will, and that was eternal. So it communicated to everybody, who ever existed or ever would exist. But sin just blotted it over because we didn't know what God's love was like. And so we get, began to doubt that, just as we did doubt our parents' love or other people's love in the world. So once you don't have love, then you have to have force. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: And that's what we have today, is just a whole culture that's not know what unconditional love is, which is just for the other person and willing to suffer, even to die on the cross as Jesus showed us, so that he could restore us to God's love.
1: And what was so the next one, Father?
2: Okay, the next one was, say, anointed with power, how confirmation heals wounds of powerlessness. Oh. See, we don't have the, the, the strength, the interior strength to stand up to people who are different from us. And so then we're caught into, you know, going along with the, the crowd See, because we don't uh, stand up in the situation in order to hold on to what we know god wants us to do but that often will cause suffering because a lot of people are getting mort martyred nowadays if they with their faith because people are trying to force them into doing what they want because they don't know what love is so the governments you might say are they've lost their grounding in order in god's order so they aren't making decisions on the basis of God. They're trying to get God out of the picture. Right. So ultimately, we, when we lose that sense of the Father's authority and, and don't trust it, then all of these other things follow. And the holy matrimony is fear, as it mentioned. But also, then this one, pure and undefiled, how reconciliation heals wounds of shame.
1: Wow. Isn't that? This is great yeah
2: it's so powerful because once you're forgiven you feel like you're brought back to the truth and you're living the truth and you don't care what people think <laughs> right. <laughs> right but if you if you don't do that if you have sin or you're not sure whether it is you hide i had that experience when i was growing up was, you know i received first communion but i touched the host and in those days you know if you touch the host that was bad that was a really bad thing yes i didn't i didn't bring that up in confession for for three years (laughs) 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 because i was embarrassed i was ashamed that i touched the host well i just touched the host because it was sticking to my mouth you know but uh and here's how an anointing of the sick raised to life how the anointing of the sick heals wounds of hopelessness. There's no hope. When you die, you're afraid of death, in other words. Because you don't know, you don't have hope that it's going to be a good uh,
1: experience.
2: So the Satan keeps us in slavery through fear of death.
1: Isn't that, uh, we just did a show this morning on that one, Father, that, you know, maybe a hundred years ago, it was different about fear of death than it is today. The whole, you know, we saw it really clearly the past couple of years that people would give up almost anything to preserve their life.
2: Yes, right, because that's all they see as good because they have lost trust in eternal life. Once we lose trust in God, we've lost the whole focus of what we were made for in the first place and what we, what we know we need to attain in order to receive peace. And so if we don't have that and the parents don't have it because they don't seem to be at peace with each other or whatever you know we all have difficulties because they've been handed down to us by the our grandparents and great grandparents and great 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 grandparents they were paying for me at one point and they wasn't getting better until i said you got to pay for adam and eve <laughs> and yeah. they they did they paid for adam and eve and i got better I don't know even what the issue was but God was showing me some of these things go all the way back to the beginning once we have the sin it's communicated to our children as it was with Cain and Abel with with their children Cain kills Abel and and we have that whole history of not trusting handed down Generation to generation. Why does God let that happen? Well, I think uh, God lets it happen because uh, He wants to show us that his love is unconditional. That is he's, he loves us whether we sin or not. We we weren't taught this usually in catechism, but that's what it seems very clear because Jesus took on himself the consequences of everybody's sin from the beginning of time to the end of time, because he's eternal as well as human. And that, of course, was his free gift. He turned the consequences of sin into a gift of love, a sacrifice of love. He said to me, for example, I said, you must have made, you know, be upset that I made you suffer so much. And he said, no, I would have done infinitely more if you only believe I love you. What if you don't Uh, feel that love, Father? What what would you say to people who don't? I didn't didn't realize it until recently. (laughs) Yeah.
1: How did you feel? How did you get to the point where you... What if people can't feel that love? Is there a prayer they can pray? What can they do?
2: Well, I was was saying even in this, uh, reflecting on the Holy Orders, I was saying the community, we need a community that loves. And the community that really helped me... Uh, you might say, all the way down to the roots, (laughs) was the charismatic renewal. Mm -hmm. Because it was praying for God's love, the Holy Spirit, to come and give us the gift of tongues, that is, get born again. Tongues is like a baby talk. I I resisted it for three years, and I was a leader of the group at Fordham University for three years after the leader that was there first uh, graduated from the university, and he wasn't there anymore. So they asked me to be the liaison with the community, and so I I did. And but I was two of those years I didn't pray for the gift of tongues, and they were kind of embarrassed about me. So one time I was <laughs> when I was mm-hmm. not not there. Uh, I somebody told me about the gift of tongues being a gift of intimacy, and, and I liked that. I didn't like it what I thought it was showing us, you know, because I'm an introvert, and that scares me to <laughs> be so blatant. And uh, then I came back to the prayer group, and I felt like I'd like to get prayed for. So I asked for it. Later on, they said, well, while you were away, we prayed that you would ask for it. (laughs) 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 So it, it was a beautiful gift because, in a sense, that's what we learned in the Charismatic Renewal, that we were loving each other in God's love, and that that was solid. And so that gave us the freedom to be free of fear. We could just be ourselves and let people know what things we're working on or whatever it is, you know? And that's what, it was healing the wounds, of keeping those things secret, like I did with the touching the host for three years in the family, you know, because, you know, they wouldn't totally understand. My dad wasn't Catholic, he was Methodist, he would wonder, to, want, I think that probably be strange <laughs> she might bring that up, yes, yeah. my mother you know she was a, a abiding Catholic, she would go to church, but she wasn't grounded he might say in, in knowing God would love us despite sin, and that that certainly wasn't sin or whatever you know it's kind of like I had to get up my nerve or God had to get me grown up to to bring it up into in confession, and so and you know. We postpone a lot of these things, they sound kind of silly in some ways, but it's the way we are. We need to be loved unconditionally so we can share everything and know that it'll be honored and not made fun of or whatever is sometimes happens in families or whatever, you know, so those those wounds, that's where fear comes in, is the family which is to give you that sense of security and, and love, grounded in God's love because they love each other with God's love and you're learning it, then you the kids are, won't be ashamed to bring things up in the family they just would bring it up You know, they wouldn't think it was something for shameful mm-hmm. <laughs> shame, shame is what you're expecting from other people, uh, that they won't value what you're coming up with and sharing. Whereas in the Charismatic Renewal, that was something that was very healing for me in many ways. And when I came to Chicago to teach theology from Fordham University and I'd been there for four years and been a part of the Charismatic group, they asked me to start a group along with Seneca, so I did that. And that grew from about six members to 200 members, actually, in about year and a half it, wow. that was the early days of the renewal where a lot of people were finally catching fire <laughs> you mm-hmm. know so that was something that uh, helped me and it all helped me also because i got involved in the uh, association of christian therapists at that time which is now acteals and uh i'm still involved in it after some what 50 years now almost uh I think I entered it in the 80s, so it would be 40 years now. Yeah, so I was president there for, uh, you know, a couple of those years and part of the board for those six years there part, And I'm still chaplain of the board, so it, <clears throat> it's helped me to learn about intergenerational healing. And different things that God has shown me in my life have been very helpful. So. It's in that community, the spiritual community that we have the um the freedom, you might say, to speak our own truth. And some people do that in you know, intergenerational healing services or or communities that are healing. And we know now that those can go back all the way to Adam and Eve and that, that we can pray for the healing all the way back. So a lot of things have happened because of that so the charismatic renewal has been a, a very big gift and the people involved with it I'm still involved with in healing groups you know that are supported in that in that way in healing groups in the, the Jesuits also so so those have been very helpful for me to kind of develop an understanding of what god's calling me for which is what i was thinking in the beginning and that made my dissertation on it is the integration of theology with healing We had all these psychologies of religion, but no theologies of healing. And the ultimate healing is unconditional love. We're made for love. And when we have that and when the parents have that with each other, then the child feels safe.
1: Mm. You know, it seems, Father, the world is so blown up right now as far as you know, you mentioned chaos, that holy orders was the antidote to exactly. chaos. Now, now
2: they're they're looking for all sorts of sources for their security. And it's usually what is their what are the media telling them? Right. So why do they go into these unlimited sexual identity type of things? Well, that's what that's the end thing now. They wanna disassociate people from organized religion or from you know the Ten Commandments or anything like that, because they are questioning God's authority and adding their authority, which is nothing. It's just their blown-up sense of importance or whatever, because they can't assure you you're going to live till tomorrow. You're not safe with any of those things. So people lose their roots in eternal life as their ultimate goal. So they have no un totally sure destiny that they believe in because they don't believe in God who is eternal and so the beginning of the transformation needs to be of course a a new understanding that unless God exists nothing exists and we have enough evidence for that already but people just don't want to see it you know the intricacy that one cell it's about 23 different parts that have to be coordinated with everything else all at once so it can't simply evolve how did it happen <laughs> how did the, the instance of animal life happen out of non-living things how did that happen how did a cell develop scientists don't know they don't know how it started and yet they think that it's going to happen now if we have enough uh, time to do it. Well, oh, that's very interesting. You think that if we had enough time, then it would develop something that would have as much information as the New York Times. Everything all put together in the right way. That's crazy. That's wishful. thinking. <laughs> that's not science. They're just guess- guessing because they don't want to believe in a god that knows more than they do
1: is that what's at the heart of it father because it, it doesn't make sense to me why there is such an abject rejection of the existence well, of god we've
2: gone into well you have to believe in something and they believe in science now well what are you going to find out in science how it goes how it works well tell me how it started They've been working on that question for, for eons and found nothing. Or just There's a book that's a uh, very powerful book, actually. is. It's a big one, and it's not that expensive, though. So I'll give it just a second. By Daniel O'Connor, it's called The Crown of Sanctity. On the Revelations of Jesus to Louisa Picaretta. And he starts with, Does God Exist? <laughs> and he has about 30 pages with that. Just bringing up how ludicrous it is to say that you're going to find out how it all started when they've been working on that for years and have gotten no closer to just saying, well, it just happened. Well, that sounds very scientific. (laughs) Mm. At least it's true. It did happen. So what happens? Well, these uh, very... Complex cells, which then go into making living things, just kind of fell together. Can you do it again? Can you replicate it to show that that's how it happened? No. Uh, well, then it's not scientific. You're just guessing. Is that correct? I guess they don't say anything, but that's really what it comes down to. And so they basically think that a non—that this in- inorganic matter turned into living matter. Uh, just on itself, and it wasn't guided by an a intelligent founder, who doesn't have to be explained when he exists, because he must have existed forever, because you'd have the problem over and over again if he didn't exist forever. Oh, okay. Well, he points that out, and it, it is very well done. It's a very large book, so don't uh, think this is, going to be easy reading, it's, it's not it's easy reading, but it is long, so into what God is revealing through Louisa Picaretta, namely that Jesus wants to give us his will, which is divine, to actually do on earth what the Father chooses in heaven. He wants to show us that it's true. If we give it to him, he will take care of it. If you need some sign that there is this power, then live the divine will, he will take care of it. If you're really curious, and you're really trying to find out the truth, then ask him something, and he will take care of it. So it's like that God is willing to work with us. He knows it's beyond what we can do just as humans, but it's the truth, and it's given to us in the Bible, so if you're going to... Re- read the Bible, you'd have to say, well, the whole Bible is just by accident, it just happened. Just somebody happened in it. You know, well, okay, if you believe that, you're really grounded nowhere. Because it didn't just happen. It was written, we have the text. People were inspired. God gave his direction. So that's the ultimate foundation. If we don't have a revelation from God, which is Jesus Christ, His claim to be divine, which is given in Scripture, and He gave the marks of it, and He wouldn't have been able to, you know, die on the cross for all of us. It would have been totally we beyond any human be able to do that and be forgiving us at the whole time, not bringing any judgment against us but bringing forgiveness he said father forgive them they don't know what they're doing and jesus accepted it because this was what was needed in order for us to turn the consequences of sin which is suffering illness and death into the gift of salvation turning it into a gift of life so he took the consequences of our sin and that's when we When we pray for other people, we know by healing, when we accept them as they are, then they change. Because that's what love does. Perfect love honors us, even if our sin, because they understand where the sin came from. And God loves us despite our sin. He created us. He would never abandon us. And He's given us the power to come to Him and He will forgive us. And he will establish on foundation the solid roots where there is no shame and there is no powerlessness and there is no fear. And all those things that the sacraments heal will be healed. And we will be restored into what God had for us before Adam and Eve sinned.
1: Wow. Father, we're coming up to the top of the hour. We have quite a few prayer requests I'll just if I may give you just a few of them and then your priestly blessing one of them is a woman who had a stroke her name is Barbara Stephanie Uh Um, two gentlemen actually three people have lost their jobs all of a sudden Mm. Um, unexpectedly one is the father of many many children so they're praying that God will take them to another place another girl is suffering with this skin disease Mm -hmm. around her eyes which is painful for her and she's concerned and um, someone just came in here in the office and filled in quite a few prayer intentions so i'm wondering if father with all of that and then my husband's having some problems with sciatica if you could remember him also Mm -hmm. in this prayer i'd appreciate it
2: okay so lord you you heard all those prayers lord and we just bring them to you you said if we give them to you you would take care of them and so we do that lord we take you at your word because you just need our permission You want it more than we do. When the prodigal son came back, his father rejoiced. He didn't even talk about the inheritance that was lost. He gave him a party. God's love is unconditional. He wants us healed. Bring your needs for healing, loss of jobs, all of those. Give them just to Jesus right now. Say, Jesus, they give you this. And I ask you to deal with it. And Father said if you do that, you would take care of it. You said it yourself, so it wasn't just him inventing it. So we do give it to you, Jesus, and we ask you to take care of it. And if he really does take care of it, why don't you get in touch with the radio station and let them know (laughs) that your prayer was answered so that other people will be encouraged to bring it to Jesus. So loss of jobs. Jesus put no limit on what we could bring to him. So just give it to Jesus and let it go. Don't try to intervene. Don't get anxious about it. Just let it go. This is the prayer. there'll be a prayer. And I think if you get in touch with the radio station, they'll send you a copy of it. So I think they have it. If they don't, I'll send it to them. Thank you, Father. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> yeah, sinfulness or whatever, if that's, you feel you've fallen into that, then give it to Jesus. He has given us the power to forgive if uh, people will ask and so priests have that power so go to a priest and ask him to forgive you and there'll be no hesitation to do that I'm sure because Jesus wants you forgiven more than you want to be forgiven <laughs> so <clears throat> all of those I give to you Jesus that you would take care of them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit Amen. And I thank you, Jesus, that you've adopted us into your holy family, and Mary is our mother. St. Joseph is our foster father, but Heavenly Father is the one who created us before he put us in the womb. Jeremiah 1.5 Before I placed you in the womb, I knew you, and I appointed you to be prophet to the nation. Each one of us has been placed in the womb by our Heavenly Father. Before he placed us in the womb, he created us and knew us and appointed us for certain works that we might walk in them. Ephesians second chapter, 10th verse. So, Lord Jesus, you wanted us and you established us before the foundation of the world in the beloved Jesus to be holy and blameless, that is, restored to what we would have been if Adam and Eve hadn't sinned, and you've now made it possible. That's in, in Ephesians 1, 5 one four or five so just look there that before the foundation of the world he knew us and appointed us to be without sin and sinless amen
1: amen father you are an incredible blessing to me and to all of our listeners and many people thank you father till next month god bless you
2: bless you